1970 international ski jumping competition in Obensdorf, Germany, would be an event that would forever change the life of one Yugoslavian ski jumper. His name was Vinko Bogota. It was at this event that he became part of sports history. And here is, in case you don't remember that moment in 1970, because maybe you weren't watching TV in 1970 like I wasn't. I was probably too young to watch TV in 1970. But here's the highlight reel of that very unique moment that put him on the pages of sports history. Go ahead, Bill. What a terrible fall indeed. Why would something like this, which would appear to be a failure, why would this bring him into sports history? Well, some of you, maybe you remember seeing a clip like this before. Let me put it into a context that will help you understand why he became part of sports history. Go ahead, Bill. So his failed jump made him popular as the agony of defeat athlete. Now, how many of you would want to be remembered under the banner, agony of defeat? Not many of us, right? Not a way to be remembered in history. Now, uh, Vinko is not ski jumping today. All these years later, he's actually a painter. But he was invited to the 20th anniversary celebration of the ABC Wide World of Sports. And when he was introduced at that 20th anniversary celebration, he received a standing ovation of all the athletes that were in the room. And in fact, there was one particular athlete that was the first to receive his autograph. Yes, he gave away autographs that day as the failure, the agony of defeat athlete. And the very first uh, autograph he gave away was to a guy who floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. Muhammad Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world, seeks out the autograph of the man known as the agony of defeat. What a wonderful way to have the story of defeat end. But how many know that that isn't always the way it works with defeat? Sometimes the defeat we experience in life is not so glamorous. It's not so remembered. It's not so applauded. In fact, I think there are many times that we as Christians feel the agony of defeat. And perhaps it's on a regular basis. For some of you, it might be just difficult life circumstances emotions that, you, uh, that plague you each day, or it could be a physical illness, or it could be some relational tension that is causing you to feel defeated. For others, it might be uh, sexual sins, pornography, or, or carrying out sexual acts that you know are biblically immoral. Or maybe for others, it's just sinful expressions of God-given emotions. Your anger moves you to do things that you know are wrong. For others, it might be an addiction, maybe a substance of your choice that's become 
hard over you and has left you feeling defeated. All of us know what it's like to feel defeated because we're not perfected. Even as we follow Jesus, we still tend to fail. But the question is, are we meant to be poster children for the agony of defeat as followers of Jesus? Is that what is meant for us? I mean, when you think about the way that we were victoriously saved, okay, the death The resurrection of Jesus, what a great and victorious way that we were saved. Were we then meant to live defeated lives with such a great victory that brought us to salvation? I don't think so. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, I want you to grab your Bibles if you've got them or there's smart devices with the Bible app, you can use those or Bibles in the seat in front of you. We encourage you to to get into God's Word. But in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, this is from the New Living Translation, but listen to the words that John writes. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. So that verse, that one verse alone, and there's four more verses you ought to read sometime all the way through verse 5, but I just want to stop at verse 1 for the sake of time today. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through faith. So one of the things we have to begin to understand and we have to begin to believe, embrace, and then live out is that we are a victorious people because we serve a victorious God. So today we're kicking off this new series called Undefeated, A Victorious Christian Life. And there's part of this series that I think speaks to all of us because all of us have found ourselves in some manner defeated by life circumstances or by our own choosing, defeated. And we've wondered, is this really what the Christian life is about? In fact, I think there are probably some people, maybe you've known some who have done this and maybe you're close to giving up on your faith because it doesn't seem like it's working for you because all you feel is defeated. This series is so critically important. In fact, I'm, I'm calling us as a church, as I talked about first service, I say again today, this service, I'm calling us to a church to pray, and if you can do this, to fast in, in some capacity, to pray and fast for our church during this series. And the reason that's important is because I envision what would happen to a church who believed and lived as though we were victorious. That's an unstoppable force. And I believe this is what God wants Neighborhood Church to be, full of believers. Yeah, perfect, no. Victorious, yes. And when we live in that victory, the sky is the limit for what God wants to do through a church who's willing to embrace their victory and not be held back by the defeats that we feel in our lives from day to day. In fact, here's kind of the the big idea of the whole series. We're going to spend the next several weeks on this series, but here's kind of the big idea. Here it is. It's time to start living out our God-given Christ-enabled, Spirit-empowered, victorious life. It's time. The world does not need to see one more failure, one more act of hatred done under the name of Christianity. They need to see that this is a victorious life that Christ has called us to. So my prayer is that each of us would embrace this and then live like it's true and live it out in the context of our everyday life. So today, to set up the series, I, I just want to help us to see why the undefeated life is much more than just a fantasy. 
why it's much more than some maybe a pipe dream or, or spiritual hype, that this is a reality for those who are called of God. So I want to begin today, while you may not feel like it, I want to begin by saying you are, in Christ, a super conqueror, a super conqueror. All right, let's look at it. Romans chapter 8. Grab your Bibles or your smart device. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and following. Paul's writing to Roman Christians who live in a culture very much like our American culture. The Romans knew how to live very pleasurably, how to give to indulgences. And there was a church out of Rome that believed in Christ Jesus made him Lord, and then would face severe persecution. Severe persecution. And of course, trials and temptations brought on by their own life circumstances. And he's writing to them. This is what he says. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as we talk about this idea of super conqueror, we have to understand that Paul is not writing this in some bubble far removed away from the realities of life. Some of these things that Paul mentions, he experienced. The trials and the temptations that he went through was very real, and he discovered something in the midst of those, that he's a more than conqueror, that he's a super conqueror in Christ Jesus. And so today we're going to look at, out of Romans 8, why we can embrace and come to know that we are super conquerors. And the first one is this. You are a super conqueror because God is for you. God is for you. Look at verse 31 again. If God is for us, that's not like, well, I'm not sure. Maybe God is. No, it's not necessarily that kind of a statement. It's a declaration. God is for us. Who then can be against us? God is is for you. In fact, God the Father is for you by giving us His Son. Jesus is for you. We'll look at that here in a moment. The Holy Spirit is for you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, just a few verses back out of this passage, it says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us when? In our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So this is what I want you to to understand. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are for you. Here's something you have to begin to to try to wrap your mind around. The Trinity is for you. 
Now, this might not seem like much, but let me back up and tell you some things. The Trinity was involved in the creation of our world. And look at the beauties of that creation, the power of that creation. The Trinity was involved in the ministry of Jesus. And look how victorious and powerful his ministry was. In fact, the Trinity was involved in your salvation. God the Father loved you. The Holy Spirit drew you to the Father. Jesus died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. The Trinity is involved in all of these things. And this is the thing you have to hear. The Trinity and that power cluster of the universe is for you. Is for you. In fact, God is making all things work together for you. And those all things are good things. Yes, we love those. We celebrate the good things. But those all things are the bad things, the hard things, the failure things. And God works all of those things together. Why? For you. He's not against you. He's for you. In fact, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. It's not just for you, but it's for good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. And contrary to what you might feel today, because when I talk about a super conqueror, some of you are like, yeah, but Kelly, you don't know my story. You don't know me. Okay, I don't, but I know God. And this is what God says concerning those that love him. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to this. God delights in you. Here it is. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This is a verse some of you might need to kind of commit to memory or at least put it someplace visible. As a father, I know what this feels like. You ever had those moments as a parent when you're just watching your kids and you just find yourself smiling? You just all of a sudden are just delighting in them. And then sometimes you might even find yourself singing over your kids. Or maybe you were in love with your spouse, you hopefully still are, and you sang a song, a corny song maybe, to your spouse. Why? It's a sign of delight, singing. Here's the thing. God is not only for you, he delights in you. And get this, he sings over you. He is singing over you. This is the kind of father we serve. A mighty warrior singing? Yes, he sings over you. What is he singing? I think he's singing songs of victory over you and songs of love. So in his person and in his providence, God is for you. And guess what? He's not giving empty promises. He backs it up by the sending of his son. What he's done in Christ and by giving us the Holy Spirit as proof that the victory is ours. And here's the thing. We cannot allow the opposition that we face today, the trials, the temptations, Make us doubt and forget how committed God is to his plan for you, to delight in you, and to be for you. In fact, you maybe need to face each day realizing God is for you. Wake up tomorrow, God is for me. In fact, the Trinity is for me. Whatever I'm going to face today, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are for me, not against me. Second thing we can learn about super conqueror out of Romans 8 is this. You're a super conqueror because Christ died for you. Verse 32. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See, the fact that God is for us is demonstrated in the giving of Jesus. And guess when that happened? When we were all clean and pristine? No, the Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, far from deserving it, Christ died for us. In fact, here's a truth. Not many of you, I would assume, in this room felt worthy of your salvation. Most of you, when you heard the gospel, you probably didn't feel worthy, but you felt hopeful. And you felt like, God loves me. I'm going to dedicate my life to him because I know I don't deserve this, but what a remarkable story of good news. You didn't feel worthy of your salvation, but he saved us by the work of the cross. Now, here's the question. Does the power of the cross stop at our salvation? Was it just to kind of get us over the line and get us saved? Or is there more to it than that? Is there more victory and power in the cross than just our salvation? And the answer is yes, there's more. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 tells us that the cross really is the key to our victory. Look at it. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We get that. There are people all around us who are perishing and they mock the cross. Croc, that's a nice statement. They mock the cross. They think it's a crock, but yet we glory in it. Why? Let's look at it. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of God. This victory is possible through Christ, by the Spirit. Because the Father will give us all we need to live in victory, and the cross is evidence of that. Think about this. When we were sinners, God gave us his best. How much more now that we're his children will he give us all things that we need to live victorious lives? He will. Thirdly, you're a super conqueror because you were justified by God. Look at what it says in verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. This means that God has declared you righteous, blameless, in good standing in his sight because of Christ. And this is not because of anything you have done, right? Titus tells us that. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 and following says it this way. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Notice that. He didn't lead with judgment. He didn't lead with wrath. When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And by the way, right there in Titus 3, 4 to 7, the Trinity is at work in your salvation. There's the Father mentioned, the Spirit, and Jesus. So that having been justified by his grace, verse 7 says, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. But here's the problem. Satan tries to live up to his name. The name Satan means the accuser. That's, how we, that's why we use the word Satan. It actually just means we're saying accuser. And he wants to accuse us. In fact, he will bring our sins as evidence of our guilt. But the prosecution will be unsuccessful. Do you know why? 
Because God has chosen us to be his and to be justified. And that pronouncement has already been made the day you were saved. And when he looks at you, justified. Sometimes we accuse ourselves. We don't need the enemy to do it because we do pretty good on our own. We have self-condemning thoughts where we are hard on ourselves. And tell me, can you feel very victorious when you have condemning thoughts? No. It can be very hard to live victoriously when you're beating yourself up or believing lies of the enemy, saying things to you that are not true if you are justified by faith in Christ Jesus. So we stand righteous before God, not because of anything that we have done, but because God, by his grace and mercy, has chosen through the cross of Jesus to say, you are justified. And when he looks at us, yeah, we fail. We're not perfect. When he looks at us, guess what he sees? Justified. He sees his son and justified. In fact, for God to accuse us would mean that his salvation was a failure. Let me say that again. For God to accuse you would mean that his salvation was a failure. Because through the cross of Jesus, you were justified. And when you are in Christ, you are justified. So for God to accuse you means he took that away. Why would he do that? He doesn't. So what happens? We condemn ourselves. The enemy condemns us. We might mistake conviction for condemnation. There are times the Holy Spirit's quick to tell you, hey, that was wrong. Don't receive that as condemnation. You're still in the grace of Christ. You're still justified, but this is the working out of your salvation. This is the part of you becoming Christ-like. But don't begin to let the enemy, yourself, or even what you think to be the voice of God condemn you because he wouldn't do that. If he saved you, justified you, he will not condemn you. In fact, we'll get to that in a minute. There's a great verse in Romans 8 that begins this whole chapter that talks about that. Now, your Christian experience might vary from day to day, kind of like a roller coaster. You might have great days and you might have terrible valleys, and it just feels like this. We don't keep living defeated to know we're justified. That isn't the point. But because life is like this, we can understand we're always justified. And that should give us a certain amount of peace to know I can face whatever because God's got me. He's covering me by justification. I have the victory in him. You're a super conqueror also because Christ intercedes for you. Look at verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Maybe you need to underline that. No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. I need you to picture this for a minute. Right now, this very minute, Jesus is praying on your behalf. He's interceding for you. He's advocating for you before the Father. Right now. And because he does that, there's no condemnation. He's not there going, oh, Father, did you see what Kelly just did? No. He's advocating for us. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, listen. There is therefore, therefore there is now. That's another word you ought to underline or circle in your Bibles. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's a present term statement. Right now, in this moment, no condemnation. If you're here, you're feeling condemned, perhaps you're outside of the relationship with Christ. But if you are saved, there is now no condemnation. 
for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. In fact, what's happening? Hebrews chapter 7 shows us, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. What is Jesus doing right now? Interceding for you. He always lives to do that. You have been saved completely, justified, covered, and Jesus is presenting you before the Father. You can't always present yourself. You don't know maybe what to say. Jesus is there presenting you before the Father. He is your advocate, your mediator, going to the Father on behalf of you. You're a super conqueror because Jesus is talking to the Father about you. Thirdly or fourthly, or who knows what number it is. You're a super conqueror because nothing can separate you from God's love. And the verses 35 and following show us that. It begins by saying, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And what I love about this is this is Paul. Okay, And he's saying this out of the context of his own life. Because this list he begins to to, to make is a list he's experienced. So Paul's going, here's my story. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. So all of those things are things that Paul's experienced in life. And what he's saying to us is, this is my story, this is my context, but in this moment, in these things that have happened, I've found out something about who God is and who I can be in the midst of my struggles. He goes on to say, no, verse 37, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. So there's that word super conqueror. In case you're wondering, what in the world? Why do you have this title, super conqueror? Yeah, I've never heard that word before. Well, that basically would be the contemporary way of saying what Paul just said, more than conquerors. Now, let me tell you, you're not going to find that phrase in the Bible again anywhere. Paul takes this word, this Greek word, and he kind of morphs it and uses it only in this context in the Bible period. More than conqueror. Now, what does that mean? A more than conqueror is somebody who has an absolute victory. In fact, what makes a person a super conqueror is when the enemy is then used to serve the purpose of the conqueror. Oftentimes, there were throughout military history, especially in the Middle East, there'd be times that an invading nation would come in and they would take the people captive and make them serve their purpose. So when we look at this word super conqueror, I just need you to kind of think about this in context. The things of your life, the struggles, the trials, the failures, as a super conqueror, those things can be turned and used for your good. In fact, when when, when Paul talks about this, he he says it elsewhere in Romans chapter 5, listen to it talks about all these troubles. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Romans 5, 3, because we know that suffering does something. It produces what? Perseverance, an ability to press through. 
I think one of the leading issues Christians have is an inability to persevere. When life gets hard, when temptations are high, we don't press through, we fail. And because of that continued failure, guess what's going to happen? You're going to face it again or something similar. Why? Because God is not done with you. You're justified, yes, but he wants to mature you. He wants to build you up. He wants you to grow. In fact, God allows things to happen for our good. may not feel good, but the good is the growth of what's happening in you. So perseverance leads to character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God permits trials and temptations to come. And we endure these trials for his sake. And for doing that for our growth, don't you think God's going to be with us in the midst of those things? Absolutely. He wants you to see the victory through these. And he's given you all things to help you to stand victorious in the face of temptation and trial. The problem is our flesh wars against the spirit. And we've got to put the flesh in its place and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a super conqueror. In Christ Jesus' flesh, you don't have the final authority. In fact, you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live. The life I live now, I live for Christ. I'm a super conqueror. And he's close to us in the difficulties of life. So he says, who shall separate us? I think he brings, because after he says who shall, there's no names listed, right? It's just stuff. Troubles, things that are difficult. Why? Because who's behind that? There's a who behind the what you're facing, friends. There's always a who behind the what that you're going through. Sometimes God might be the who who has allowed certain things to happen to mature you. But there are other times the who behind that is the enemy of our souls and, the, and all the demons of hell that work at his bidding to try to defeat the church, to try to defeat Children of God, who shall separate us? And the answer is, none of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, here's the thing. Victory can only take place through trials and temptations. So you don't like trials and temptations. I get it. But that's the stuff victory is made of. I know we live in a culture that says, show up and get a ribbon. Hey, you won. Wonderful. But how many know that in life, you don't show up and win? Winning comes through the struggles, the trials, the temptation. The problem is, a lot of Christians live with a defeatist mindset that says, I cannot overcome this temptation. It's too strong. It's just the way I'm wired. I can't beat this thing. Wrong. Well, let me back up and say, Partly true. You can't beat it. Just like you can't save yourself. But Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, can bring the victory. You can't do it on your own. In fact, I love this statement. It's not our hold on Christ which sees us through, but it's his hold on us. Aren't you glad he's got a hold of you? And his grip is a lot better than mine. There was a time I remember specifically in life when I was just overcome by the pressures and, and the temptations and the things of the world, and they were pressing in on me. And I felt defeated, like maybe some of you feel today. Just felt defeated. 
And in that moment, I, if I ever was to hear an audible voice of God that to me was audible, I don't think anybody else heard it, but to me it was so evident and so intimate that it was the voice of God speaking to me, and he affirmed, I'm his child. And because I am his child, I have the victory. And that caused me to kind of step up over the stuff that I was facing. Remember that this stuff is temporal. And I serve a victorious, eternal conqueror who has already won the war. In fact, I, let me put it this way. Your, prison, your present battle you've faced or maybe lost, that battle does not indicate what's happening in the overall war. The war has been settled. Maybe you didn't know this. Let me let you in on something. The war is already settled. That cross on Calvary established the victory. That's why Jesus said, it's finished. It's done. The victory has been established already. The problem is the losers don't like to lose, and so they're making a lot of noise. Let me give you an example from maybe something in contemporary culture. During times of war, there were prisoners of war taken captive by the enemies, and they would treat them terribly to defeat them and to shame them and humiliate them and make them feel as though they are losers. And you could imagine that once the victory had been established, these prisoner of war camps did not want their prisoners to know that their side had won. Right? Why would they want to do that, right? Here's the point. I think there are a lot of Christians who are living in this camp of defeat as though the war wasn't won. And the enemy lies to you, whispers to you, makes you feel as though you're a loser. The reality is you're not. You're a super conqueror in Christ Jesus. The war has been won through the cross. This battle you're facing right now, you might, you might win some, lose some with the strength of God. You're going to always win. But it's this. But the good news is the war is established. It's one. And it's time for his church to step up and recognize we're conquerors. We are conquerors in Christ Jesus. No matter what my life brings, I'm a conqueror. In fact, I'll say it again. It's time to start living out our God-given, Christ-enabled, Spirit-empowered, victorious life. And maybe for some of you right now, your life has been about defeat. And you feel like it's that real played over and over again in your mind of your failures. And it's time to cut the tape and say, I'm not listening or watching that story any longer because in Christ, I'm a new creation and I'm a super conqueror. Let me pray with you. Father, in this moment, I know there are people that are just wrestling with this. Because life or their own choices or the enemy of their souls has caused them to feel as though they are defeated. And as long as the enemy keeps us in that place of defeat, we will not step into the life, the victorious life you are called us to. So I pray a silencing of the voice of the accuser right now in this room. That, Lord, today in you, we are super conquerors. And it's time to start living like it. 
Time to step up and recognize who we are as children of God. That you have given us the victory again and again and again. If you're here this morning and saying, Kelly, I have felt like that defeated Christian. Life has been difficult. My own choices have been hurtful in myself. And, but today, today I'm embracing that I'm a super conqueror in Christ. I'm going to start living that way. You just raise a hand as our heads are bowed and say, that's me, Kelly. Thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. Let me pray with you. Lord, you know everything going on in these lives and those that couldn't raise their hand. You know. And I pray they would hear today the gospel truth that they're a super conqueror. The battle has been completed. Jesus said it is finished. It is done. And the cross has given us the victory. So I pray we'd start living like it. That that belief would make its way into the context of our everyday. Because tomorrow they're going to face trials and temptations. And I pray that they would remember in those moments that God is for us. The Trinity is for us. Jesus has given us the victory. And we need to stand in the face of our trials. And know that we're a super conqueror because you're for us and nothing can separate us from your love. So God, as we begin this series today, I pray you would help us to continue to embrace this truth and to live it out because you know that victorious Christians will accomplish great things for you. So I pray for everybody in this room, don't let the enemy lie to them any longer. Help them to see and know the truth in Jesus' name.